I am a nice guy. I am dry. I am funny. I am sometimes a little slow on the uptake. I'm a gentleman, just like my mother raised me. I am shrewd, but fair. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am more than a demographic. I am a human being. I am not an animal. Someone who doesn't know when to give up. I'm looking for something more than this. I am full of longing. I want to see the face of God. I want to understand what life is all about. I want to understand the heart of the Lord. His will for us all. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. video that went along with that but it was the you got the voices but really you just got to like the Australian accents right yeah that's the best part so welcome to Fur Road uh, once again on a, a rainy day uh, we've arrived at our sixth I am statement uh, by Jesus in the book of John uh, I hope you've enjoyed this series I've enjoyed teaching it but uh, the statement today uh, is probably the most well-known statement of any of them um, and in, in our statement today, it's John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and we, we've talked about some of these big claims that, that Jesus has made through these I am statements, but none are more bigger than this one. Th- this is huge. And, and we're going to break this statement down this morning, hopefully put it in the proper context that it was given um, the statement took place, it was in the last week before Jesus' death, and, and uh, these were uncertain times for the disciples. And, and I think they, they sensed, you know, there's something's going on, Jesus is kind of talking differently, he keeps bringing up these different things, and uh, they're getting nervous. And, and you think about, in our lives, uncertainty about the future, that's something that we all deal with, right? It's, it makes us kind of scared and or anxious at times. And, uh, you know, when we're younger, we're, we're nervous about, you know, the sports that we're going to play in or, or band or, or choir. And, and then we're nervous about going to whatever, the next level, going to junior high, going to high school. Uh, we're nervous about dating, you know, what that's going to look like. Um, here's how I handled it when my daughter started dating. My goal was to make him nervous. This was a couple years ago, and so he's not supposed to be smiling. This was a serious thing. <laughs> I was not messing around, but, um, but we get nervous about things, and, and you know, we're nervous about going to college, and, and we're nervous about finding a job and, and uh, finding a spouse, and then we're nervous about you know, all kinds of things. Um, we're nervous about our health. We're nervous about retirement and, and having enough money to, to retire on, and, and just they're all whole bunch of things in our life that um, we, we just don't have complete control over. And, and it's just easy to, to be nervous and anxious uh, about the future. And so when we look at our I Am statement today, it's, you know, the, from John 14, 6, it's, it's often quoted to prove that Jesus is the only way to God. And, and don't get me wrong on this. I believe that is what it is saying. And, and it sets Jesus apart from uh, all other religious leaders, and, and as, as do the other I am statements. 
Um, and Jesus is definitely claiming to be, to be revealing God, you know, in, in a, a way that no other person had ever done that before. Um, and so, you know, he, he's, he's saying, I, if you believe and follow me, he's saying, you are believing in God, right? You, okay, it's not like there's this God, I, that it's me. And you are on the right path. And so, so I don't want to downplay those at all. And we're going to talk more about that. But it's always very important to keep individual verses in the context of the whole passage that it's part of. And, and as we look at the context of this whole passage, we're going to find that, that Jesus is mainly talking to his disciples to prepare them in, in the midst of this you know, nervousness and, and uncertainty that, that's coming into their lives. And, and, and so they're just starting to get you know nervous about what jesus is talking about and so our, our story it takes place um you know during the last few hours before jesus was arrested it's in the upper room and and if we go back uh, we're in chapter 14 but if you go for a minute back to chapter 13 at the beginning of that chapter it, it says it was just before the passover festival festival jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end okay so jesus knew what was happening okay the, the time had come and and he started to prepare his disciples so that's the backdrop so we need to keep that verse in mind as we get into our passage uh Chapter 13, we also have the, the account of the foot washing where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And uh, he, he kind of gives this example of selfless service and, and what that looks like, kind of the essence of Christian life. And then after that, in chapter 13, Jesus says this to his disciples, verse 33, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Okay, so he doesn't like go into full explanation at this point, um, but he's say, telling them, I'm about to leave you, and, and the disciples, that you can just see them as they, they process through this, and they're getting concerned, and, and they're trying to wrap their minds around this, and then in, in verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later, and, and, uh, and you can just picture the tension getting a little higher in the room um, you know this is their leader right that they've been together almost non-stop for the last three years and jesus is saying these things and they're like no what jesus no what, whatever just tell us what we'll go tell us where it is we'll go with you and then that leads us to chapter 14 and where we have our i am statement so i want to give that as a background we're going to read the the First 14 verses of chapter 14, is, it's a kind of a longer passage, but I feel like we need to get that whole thing in there just to, for the context. So let's start in verse 1. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you um, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Okay, so that's the verse right before us. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you, will, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. So here's the third disciple speaking up. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It's like, come on, Philip. We've been doing this for three years. Come on. Um, don't you believe that I am in, in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Okay, so... There you go. You can see that context. you got to put that all together, and, and he's reassuring them. And in the next passage, we're not going to look at it. He starts talking about uh, their helper, the helper of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And, and so that's part of you know, him preparing them as well. And, and there's a lot of things to consider in this passage. We won't be able to break down everything. But um, first of all, you look at what Thomas said. And, and you can just kind of to, to feel the, the dread and, and the uncertainty in, in his words. Lord, we don't know where you're going. Just tell us. Show us. And, and we'll go with you. And, and so that's when Jesus said that, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus gives him an answer. I don't think it's really the kind of answer Thomas was looking for, do you? Like, he's wanting specifics. Okay, I'm going to go uh, to this place at this time, and then I'll be back. You know, they're still kind of thinking that mindset, um, but this wasn't about a specific. Um, and in context, these words are, they're not spoken to condemn others who are not disciples of Jesus, right? He's talking to disciples. They're, they're um, spoken to assure and comfort those who are disciples, okay, then and now. Okay, so th those, those words... They direct our attention to Jesus who reveals God and speaks, speaks as God. Okay, he, he's reassuring the disciples. He's not going to abandon them or forsake them, and, and, and he will sustain them on life's journey. And at the end, he, he'll welcome them into heaven. Okay, so, so we can use this passage to reach out to others and let them know, you know, that it's through Jesus. Uh, but in this Right here, he's talking to the disciples. Um, and so let's talk about just this description that Jesus gives a little bit. And so, first of all, he describes this huge house, okay, with many rooms. Um, let's talk about those, the many rooms. You know, Jesus, is he saying, okay, you're each going to literally get your own room in heaven? You know, you just, you're going to go up there, you're going to you decorate your own room or whatever. Um, you know, maybe. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that's what he's really describing. I will say, if, if I do have a bedroom in heaven, there's not going to be ten pillows on the bed. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, 
there will be two pillows only, but that, that's another story. Um, but what, what Jesus is saying is that um, I think heaven's like a place that has a room for everybody. There's, there is room for everybody that is invited to enter. And, and so I want to show a picture of the, the largest house in the United States. It's called uh, Biltmore Estate. Anybody ever been there? You can tour it. Um, it's in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. It has nearly 180,000 square feet. Okay, so just a nice little place. It's uh, nearly 70,000 square feet bigger than the next biggest house in the U.S. It was built by George Washington Vanderbilt over a, a six-year period in the late 1800s. And Biltmore is it's currently occupied by uh, Vanderbilt descendant William A.V. Cecil. And uh, the house has 252 rooms altogether, has 33 bedrooms and 43 bathrooms. Okay? a lot of toilets to clean, isn't it? <laughs> Although I don't think he's probably having to worry about cleaning the toilets. But um, So it's this huge house. But you know, here's the thing. That even though it's the biggest house in this country, that it could only fit a couple hundred people comfortably, right? Um, and, and Jesus is saying here that heaven is, is like this enormous home that has room for everyone who's invited to enter. This is nothing, this Biltmore estate. Uh, you know, some versions translate, translate the word home as mansion. And so it's like heaven is this enormous mansion that has room for everyone. Uh, in contrast, a poor family's house in, in first century Palestine uh, was often just one room. And, and many parts of the world today still live in one room uh, houses. Um, when I was in campus ministry, two or three times, I took groups of uh, students down to Juarez, Mexico, and we built uh, houses for uh, an organization called Casas por Cristo, and maybe some of you have heard of that, but, but we would go in, and, and uh, they lived in these just little shanties before, whatever they could find, what metal, cardboard stuff, and, and uh, we built these houses in like four or five days. So, you know, obviously it's a very basic structure. It's, it was stucco on the outside. And, you know, one room, maybe sometimes they divide it into two smaller rooms. By the way, Holly is one of the few people that's ever been hit by a house before. We were moving the roof one time, and it turned sideways, and it hit Holly right in the eye. And she had a beautiful black eye. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. But we get to to the end, and there was always a kind of a presentation to the family of the house. And, you know, we, we, we get them up there, and, and, and every time, they're just tears in their eyes. They think this is a mansion to them. And, and, and I'm thinking, man, we are so spoiled <laughs> for this to be a mansion, them to be so excited about it. In our context, Jesus is saying it's, it's not a one-room place. It's, it's a place that has room for everyone. And it's going to be so incredible um, in heaven. And so that's great news for the disciples and for us. So let's spend a little uh, 
time now dis dissecting this specific I am statement because um, it seems very exclusive, right? When, when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and the first thought is this, and don't take this the wrong way, but this is a, a kind of a radical egocentric statement. I mean, what if one of us said this? I mean, this is like, if this is not true, this is a really bad statement, right? I mean, th think about it. And, and this, I think, rubs a lot of people the wrong way because of this. It'd be like a, a preacher saying, you know what, the only way you can really know God is by my preaching. And, you know, that, first of all, it'd be a lie. And second of all, you guys are like, no, you're not that good, Dan, really. But, um, but obviously that's not the case. Now, so if, but if, this, if Jesus is not really the way, only way to come to the Father, then that, this is a, a, a bad statement. It's a big lie if it's not. But if it's true, then it's the, one, the biggest statement ever. Because this makes a huge difference. Jesus is saying, if you want to find the way to God, if we want to know the truth about God, if we want eternal life, then you're only going to find these things in Him. Unlike all other religious leaders, they, they pointed things away from themselves, but towards this God, another God of some kind, or many gods. And, and Jesus is saying, no, I, I, I am the way follow me. And if you do that, you're also following God. Okay? He's not suggesting that he's a second God, but rather that he was God. Okay? And in believing in him and following him and worshiping him, we're following, believing, and worshiping the one true God who is revealed through him. Okay? This is a very important statement. It's big and bold and radical. Secondly, I want us to note that Jesus says, I am the way, not I will show you the way. Okay, there's a difference. You know, we get a lot of people uh, during the week out here at the church, and they come in, and they kind of have that look on their face like, where am I? <laughs> and, and so they'll ask, you know, am I, am I close to Kansas? Or, uh, yeah, you are, but you, you got to go somewhere else to get there unless you swim through the river. Um, or, you know, it, where's Joplin? Um, believe it or not, a lot of people say, am I by Carthage? Like, no, you're a ways from Carthage here. Um, but there's a fur road by Carthage, and I think they get confused on that sometimes. Uh, or, you know, how do I get to Carl Junction? Just different places, and, and um, I don't know. You can just tell. People are lost when they, they get to out here. Um, however, I will say that we, we much prefer people stopping and asking where they are instead of driving into the front of the church and, <laughs> and uh, saying, where am I? It's like, okay, yeah, we, we hope that's a one-time deal, that that will not happen again. But when people stop and ask for directions, I try to tell them, you know, depending on where they want to go, I try to give them some simple directions, uh, usually not more than about three, because I know that I can't handle more than about three directions at a time, and, and I repeat them for them, and you know, walk them out there, point them, kind of show them. Um, we prefer nice and simple. Uh, in a store, if you ask somebody, okay, where's the, say, peanut butter, 
Um, a lot of stores now, they, they don't just tell you, they, they show you, right? They'll, they'll take you to that aisle, and, and it's nice to know exactly where it is. Um, but Jesus here, he's not just showing the way, he's taking it up another level. Um, he says, no, I am the way. Okay, when, when, you've, when you found me, you found the way. And, and this is how to get to God. And so, remember a couple weeks ago, we said I, he said, I'm the gate. And we've had the different I am statements. Here he says, I am the way. And so once you get to me, you found God. Okay, that's important. Next thing is that, that Jesus says, I am the truth. Okay, not, not I will help you find the truth. He didn't say, I'm one possible truth among many. Jesus, he, he was the personification of truth. Uh, remember at the end, Pilate asked Jesus, well, what is truth? Right? Remember that, John 18, 38? And, and that was a good question. What's truth? And people have been asking that question for thousands of years. And, and Jesus' answer to the question, whether you believe him or not, is, well, I am the truth. That This is where you find truth. And in an age where so many believe that, you know, really we can't know the truth about anything, truth is relative, I, I want you to know that it's so okay to be skeptical about those claims, that, that we can't know anything. In fact, you realize that to claim that you can't know the truth for sure is an, a truth, uh, an absolute claim about truth. I mean, think about that a little bit. And by the way, there are a lot of things that we, we know for certain, we can know, okay? You know, we could write a whole book on things we know for certain. Two times two is, is four, right? And that, there might, new math might have it be five, but <laughs> it, it is four. We know that. I, I, I know my eyes are blue, okay? Every time I go out on a bright day, I know that that, that is the case, Um and there are all kinds of things that we don't doubt that are truth. We're not skeptical about those things. But truth is truth in, in life and in religion. With Jesus, either everything is true or nothing is true. Okay? There, there's not an in-between here. Charles Spurgeon, the, the great English preacher, he once said, Most people stumble, stumble over the truth at least once in a lifetime and move on quickly. <laughs> I thought that was... Uh, a good good statement. I like that. The fourth thing that I want to point out is that Jesus says, I am the life, not I will enrich your life. Okay, so believing and following Jesus will no doubt enrich our lives, okay? But that's not what he's talking about. Um, he isn't saying I will enrich your life like if you got a new car, oh, you, you know, your life will be good, or we, you know, a, new, a good book to read, or, or a great restaurant, to go to. He, he's saying, I am life. Okay, I, I can give you life that will, will not only transform your life now, but it's going to give you life eternally. Uh, a life that physical death cannot destroy. It is only through Jesus that we have life. Thomas Kempis, he was a devout and, and holy monk who lived in 15, the 15th century. And he wrote a little Christian book that's a Christian classic. It's called The, the Imitation of Christ. And in chapter 50, 56 of that book, he depicts Christ as, as speaking to uh, the disciples. 
about what it means to follow him. And, and he made this John 14, 6 as kind of the, the center of what he's talking about. And Kempis wrote this chapter as if it was a dialogue between Jesus and a disciple. And, and I just want to read some of that dialogue. You've got to kind of pay attention. There's some wording that's a little hard, but um, Jesus started the dialogue by saying, My child, the more you depart from yourself, the more you'll be able to enter into me. As the giving up of exterior things brings interior peace, so the forsaking of yourself unites you to me. I will have you learn perfect surrender to my will without contradiction or complaint. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you must follow, the truth which you must believe, the life for which you must hope. I am the inviolable way. By the way, inviolable means never to be infringed upon or broken. I had to look it up, so I thought maybe some of you would need that too. Uh, I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the unending life. I am the way that is straight, the supreme truth, the life that is true, the life that is blessed, the life that is spiritual. If you abide in my way, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and you shall attain life everlasting. And then in the, the dialogue back, here's how the, the disciple responded. Lord Jesus, because your way is narrow and despised by the world, grant that I may desire and imitate you and not the world. For the servant is not greater than his Lord, nor the disciple above his master. Let your servant be trained in your ways, for therein is my salvation and true holiness. Whatever else I read or hear does not refresh or delight me like your words. And finally, Christ responded uh, by saying this, My child, now that you know these things and have read them all, happy will you be if you do them. He who has my commandments and, and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And I will love him and will show myself to him. And he will sit down with me in my Father's kingdom. And the disciple simply said this, Lord Jesus, as you have said, so be it. And what you have promised, let it be to me to win. In other words, he's saying, I am ready for the win that comes through you, Jesus. The world has said, no, you're not the way. The world has, has despised you. Really, since the beginning, but... But help me to follow you. Help me to have victory through you. Help me to be obedient to you as well. And I think that should be our hope too. To follow and be obedient. You know, all of us know that th this life is very uncertain. Okay, we see that every day. And, and we don't know if this is going to be our, our last day on this earth or... Uh, we have seven days left, or seven months, or seven years, or 70 years. Well, some of us know probably it's not going to be 70 years, but you get the idea. Um, 
in an uncertain world where it's, it's easy to, to be nervous and, and anxious about the future. We don't have to, be, to worry. We don't have to be afraid. Just like Jesus was reassuring his disciples, you don't, guys, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because just as Jesus reassured his disciples, he reassures us as well by these same words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I would simply ask to close today, is he your way? Is he your truth? Is he your life? Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot of stuff pulling us in different directions.